Hello and welcome back to the Two Brits, One Yank podcast. My name is Sawan Jal Smith. To my left, Sam Bond. And to my right, Connor Kelly. Now, for those of you who watched the first episode, you'll notice that we are no longer in the Coach and Horses pub, if you're watching on YouTube. Uh, we were meant to go there this morning. It is the Tuesday after the Coventry game. And unfortunately, we didn't get back until about 2.30 in the morning. So we decided to, uh, to come to Boney's house. We haven't told his roommate, Beth, who really wanted a shout out on the first episode. So, well, this is more than a shout out. We're now Thanks. on your sofa. And <laughs> um, we're hoping that she doesn't come back uh, from work. Got we've about got, we've an, got an hour. About an hour. We've so an this hour. episode is definitely going to be shorter than the last. <laughs> Thank uh, God. I think we have to first off start by saying all the support on the first episode has been amazing. It's definitely surpassed our expectations. Mm-hmm. I've had people coming up to me in the street. I think a lot of people have forgotten that me and Connor actually play football because mm-hmm. everyone's been coming up to us saying, oh, we love the podcast, love the podcast, which actually, actually mm-hmm. is very refreshing and we absolutely love it. I'm in danger of uh, becoming a full-time podcaster, so I want everyone to remember <laughs> I still play football. I've actually, I've got to give a shout out to um, Oliver Ash, one of our co-owners at Maystone United, who has complimented us all yeah. on the on the podcast, mm. but he did say to me that I need to focus on, focus on the day job and he, get back fit. He also said Connor needs to speak more as well. Yeah. And brother. No, no, no. He oh, said, he said you show. need to let me speak more. Me? No, no, no. Oh, yeah. You too. Say soul. More, uh, more soul. <laughs> for those of you who did watch the first one, you can tell that I can be a little bit overpowering sometimes. And I like to talk. I like, well, he I can't say, sit still. He's got, uh, he's got to say something or, do you know what I mean? The issue is as well, is that I spoke so much and I'm the one who had to edit the first podcast. And by the time we managed to put it out, I say you're sick of your own voice. I actually hated it, yeah. actually, which is very, very strange for me. Yeah. Have you watched I, it? I hated it like, as well. Have you watched it since we've gone live? I only watched it when we did the, the f- premiere. Yeah. Then I started watching the first hour and then I just went and took myself off whilst <laughs> you were watching it. And I was like, oh, I can't listen again. How many again. times have you watched it? Like, I think four. And <laughs> four. to be honest, like I thought I had an alright sounding voice. Now I know what everyone's talking about because <laughs> it doesn't sound too good. <laughs> I was the same. I was like, Jesus Christ. Um, I've listened to it a few times on 3.5 times speed on uh, Spotify. Mm-hmm. It's quite entertaining. It's quite entertaining. It's got to boost those views a little bit. That's uh, a <laughs> you're boosting. That's good. I would so the, the view counts are light. I, I would never have admitted that on the phone. Hey, but no one else, no one else can see that view count. It's just us. So yeah, that's oh, true. Okay. I've also that's noticed true. that I know that we obviously mentioned that I had ADHD and I like to fidget a lot. Hmm. And I shouldn't have worn this ring today because everyone has commented that I can't stop playing with it. We'll do. We'll do. Let's toss it outside. No. He's gonna be lost. He's gonna talk even more now. <laughs> oh. But no, uh, this is the day after commentary. Unfortunately, we have lost. Oh no, actually, before I go back, Craig Fagan. Have to give a shout out to Craig Fagan yeah. and the brother shout. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> for those of you who listened to the first one, when I listened to it back about seventy-five times, I didn't even notice that we said no, it that much. I didn't think it was that bad, and I still don't think it's. Oh, I don't know actually. But, but if you if you speak I mean, to us, I've watched it a good few times as well. So <laughs> oh. if you I don't speak, think it's that bad. If you speak to us in real life and you know us, we don't say, we just say it in like a matter of fact way. Like, we always say it. Say it like ironically. So, like, like someone mm. says anything, you're like, oh brother, brother, oh, yeah. I can't believe that brother. Yeah. It's it's just it's just what we say. It's just part of our lingo. So mm-hmm. we're trying to tone it down a little bit. I know Jeannie 
Jeannie wasn't too happy yeah. with the brother. Shout out to uh, to my mom, Jeannie Kelly. Um, yeah, she said the two things she uh, she said was my posture wasn't good. She's uh, worried about me getting misaligned after my op, and then the second thing was stop saying brother so much. So uh, yeah, mom, uh, you see better posture today, and we're gonna try to not say brother as much. Mm-hmm. Jeannie, Jeannie, I've got to say something as well. I know that you're very precious over your boy. Hey, what's it like? Sorry, what's sorry, like? sorry, but please. Stop getting worried because he has been such a prima he's, donna with his he's ankle. He's been a nightmare. <laughs> no, he's been a nightmare since we've arrived here. We've been here, what, an hour and a half? Trying to set everything up. Is he any help? He's of just, course not. Oh, I'm, I'm, I'm lounging, you know. I'm, I was in there with my uh, little fizzy lemonade, had my leg up. You're, you're was, chilling. It was nice, yeah. It was to be fair, I was the same. I've been sat here for about 45 minutes. <laughs> I've been rushing ar- from your own home. It's lovely. I've been rushing around trying to do things. and uh, uh, it's just. I'm just glad that I was yeah, sat down and we're yeah, talking. Yeah, again... Um, I think it's fair to say me and you have done pretty much nothing. Uh, Soul sort of set it all up. Shout out to Tops. We've got a new, what is it? New producer. Me- yeah, producer. That's a new nice... member. George behind there. He's actually hiding behind the light. You can't see him. And we're actually using um, his... He's uh, taken Ben Max spot today. We're using his iPhone 15 as well. So yeah. if the, the main camera looks good, then mm-hmm. shout out to George because he's helped us out there. Yeah, yeah, we haven't hit the big bucks yet and, and afforded a new camera or anything. Yeah. This is just uh, our friend's phone. Perhaps so. we'll just have to, to get him. Get him here every time we record. Yeah. <laughs> Using him for his phone. <laughs> but I've got to say, Jeannie, you're getting this brother so... Brother. You're getting yeah. this boy so worried about his ankle that he actually made a big demand on the coach yesterday. Oh, God. So, so he God didn't actually it. want to come on the coach because he wanted to... He has to keep his ankle up 24-7. And when I say 24-7, I mean 25-7. It's all the time. And he was like, I can't come to commentary if my ankle's not up in the air. So he called the club secretary... And he said, listen, Tux, you've got, to, you've got to get me an extra seat so that I can come on the coach. And there was only one seat left, which meant that my poor landlords, Ian and Rose Southgate, had to, dr- they had to drive themselves because of this prima donna. Yes. You know what? I never realised that. Well, sometimes you, your actions wow. have consequences, do you know, brother. Do you no, know why didn't you tell me that beforehand? Well, brother, I, I want brother, to see you. Brother, brother, I was going to go. Too much, was too do much, you know really. what happened yesterday on the way back? Talk to me. So I thought to myself, I see Connor down there lonely, chatting with Reese to be fair. So I was like, let me go and let me go and see him, chat with him. Anyway, as you do, on the motorway, the bus starts to shake. He's obviously switched lanes or something. I nearly go into his leg. Do you know what he says to me? I can imagine. Call me 18 stone. <gasps> and you did as well. I'm not even just saying, you did. And that, that cut me deep. Cut just before your deep. big game. No, after. After. No, it's uh, after it even worse. Yeah. He had, he, had 25, <laughs> yeah he had 25 slices of pizza in his, in his hand and his mouth. That's why waddling down the run down the Yo, you got to disrespecting yourself again. <laughs> sorry, disrespect sorry. about him no, last night. And but I will you. say, I know we're all joking around. I actually had no clue about Ian and Rose. So you said that. I actually <laughs> feel quite bad. Sorry, so Ian and Rose. I have to give uh, Ian and Rose an apology there. But there ended up being a fair few spare seats as well, mm. because a lot of people drove up and met us yeah, in Yeah, but like going back then, obviously Fowler went with his missus. Yeah, but even the way up, Paul there was space. Back. Was uh, yeah, there wasn't any space uh, yeah, for me. Yeah, no space for you. It's packed I had to, to the sit back. on the floor well, no, up to front, get some space. Because I had to sit up front away from you guys, but we'll, we'll go back to that later. Yeah, we didn't want his mm-hmm. breath at the back. That's why <laughs> stinking out the place. <laughs> mm-hmm. But no, um, Coventry, obviously, unfortunately lost the game 5-0. But I would not say it's a 5-0 game. I, well, I should probably ask you because you're the only one out of us that played. Yeah, you had to get the scoreline. Well, come on, people yeah. are going to know the scoreline. I was just anyway. going to say we lost. I'm going to say, yeah, unfortunately, the game came a little bit too too soon for me to be fit. Mm-hmm. Came about three months too soon for you to be fit. Yeah, so I was trying should... to I was trying to get the delayed. Uh, had an appeal to the FA, but they denied it. 
it's quite selfish from from the players actually, <coughs> not letting Why? me get back to full fitness and not letting games of final so you could play. That's what I'm saying. I, I was just saving myself for Wembley this whole time. Now I have to come back for National <laughs> South. Be back next week. Do you know who I'm actually blaming? Who? Matthew Thomas Rush. Shout out to Matthew Thomas Rush. But we didn't actually mention this in our previous uh, episode. But Connor, oh, myself, yeah. and Matt Rush, <laughs> we were sat just behind the bench at Ipswich. Now, Connor, have, are you wearing the necklace today? I am wearing it. So my trusty uh, cross that I always wear when uh, when it seemed like it was impossible for Ipswich to score towards the end. You know, Luke's making every save in the book. They're hitting the post. After every chance, I'll pull out my necklace. We'd all give it a kiss. So I'd go like that. So I would give it a kiss. And then Rushy would give it a kiss as well. But for some reason, you can finish it. Well, Rushy decided to sit a little bit away from us. I think it might be because we, we like to talk quite a lot. Maybe Rushy wanted to be zoned in on the game. But there was a few people in front, uh, in between us. We weren't able to kiss the cross early doors. And, well, we yeah. know how that went. So it's actually, uh, Rushy. we have a funny story from Ipswich. So it's about the 88th minute, I would say. And they've come really close. Lucas made another worldly save to go to, like, the 15 others that he had. Mm -hmm. And... As I'm leaning over, we're to the left of the tunnel. The tunnel's in the middle. And then the Ipswich bench is on the right. And as I'm leaning over for Rushy to kiss my cross, I just look into the eyes of like Amari Hutchinson. I think a few other Ipswich <laughs> players <laughs> were looking at us. And I was just like, this looks so unprofessional. <laughs> and they, they were just like so confused. <laughs> they were just like, what is going on? Why are they kissing this grown man's neck? But no, I'm... The support last night was was unbelievable. Seeing all the Stones fans behind the goal, the chanting wow. before the game, even after the game was yeah. was absolutely mental. And I've got to give a shout out to the commentary fans because I think that was a very different atmosphere to the to the Ipswich game. Obviously, a twelve thirty kickoff for Ipswich mm -hmm. was a little bit quieter, a bit few more families, few more kids. Mm -hmm. But that, especially that corner, uh, the, the south stand, or whatever it was called, uh, commentary. Yeah. The fans were unbelievable. Apart from the uh, the young lad who saw us in the village and walk past our team and he goes, you lot are getting battered tonight. Yeah. <laughs> like that's ballsy to be fair yeah. to him. Yeah. Like I would not walk past yeah, the team and say, you're getting battered tonight. He went straight down the stairs as he that's was saying true. it and didn't look and back. He was also he was also stood in front of us as we were taking the squad picture and didn't say anything. Uh, and okay. then decides as he's about to go down the stairs. A little mutter. Yeah, you're getting battered tonight. But I've got, I've got to ask you, Boney, what was it like playing in that game and probably compared to the Ipswich game? Mm -hmm. Like it was just incredible. Like apart from the game itself, the the atmosphere and we were saying it, weren't we, before the game? It was different to Ipswich, and I don't mean this in a disrespectful way, but Coventry was, I'd say, probably more modern. Um, like uh, how many was there yesterday? Twenty six thousand, I think. Yeah, it felt like more. Like the when the first whistle went, and I hope, I hope to God someone's got it on record, because I remember when the first whistle went, and they started singing. I don't know what song they were singing, but it was so loud. Mm -hmm. I actually said it to BBC Radio last night after the game. You stood there and you're taking in the atmosphere and then the whistle goes, you're like, oh, like I've got, get, I got to get myself into game mode now, you know? But um, again, you can tell that there's levels to the game. You know, commentary was so, was so good, so sharp um, and so clinical. I think that could have been maybe the slight difference in, of well, it was the, obviously Definitely. the difference, but... Ipswich, um, we obviously rolled our luck and stuff, but I felt like yesterday, commentary was so clinical. We were saying, um, we were saying in the stands that Ellis Sims probably only had about mm -hmm. five or six like meaningful touches in the first half. Yeah, yeah. and he had a hat trick. Yeah, like he was, he was so 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 clinical. Mm -hmm. And I must say, before the game, when we walked out initially, 
we both said to each other, like, the, the stadium looks so high. Yeah. Because yeah. it was like all enclosed. Yeah. We were saying, imagine what the Bernabeu's like. Yeah. Like walking out. There was, what is it, 40, Man, that was honestly, that was... two and a half times the size of it. Yeah, like, Boys, honestly, mental. that last night was just different. Like, I don't even know... I don't even know how to describe it because there's so many different ways to describe how I felt yesterday. I wouldn't sort of... I couldn't justify it. Does that make sense? Yeah. It was just madness. And I was saying it to the boys yesterday. I don't think I've ever been so happy after a 5-0 loss. To have my, my nan and granddad who, who come over from Cyprus, my mum, my, my, my dad, my brother, my close friends. Um, it was just so special. And obviously my granddad was there to experience the Ipswich game. And he was there obviously to, to see us win. I think my nan then got a little bit jealous and, and she wanted to come over. Um, so it was just so, so special to-, and to I must interject actually. I've seen your, your, your grandparents video on BBC. My granddad needs media training, <laughs> like really badly. I actually wanna, I wanna edit in because it yeah, was so funny. I think you might have to. It was so good. It and was so just, cute. I, do, I, was, I was watching it going, granddad, you like, carry on speaking, carry on speaking. He looks so cold as well, bless him. <laughs> Um, but again, that's 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 a memory that I'll remember now for the rest of my life. You know, getting to spend this cup run with them is is just so special, and I'm so indebted to the boys. I'm so grateful and I'm just full of gratitude because they've given me this moment. They've given my family this moment. And it must be special for you boys as well. All I must say is yeah. it was special even for me yesterday yeah. to have my family there because, like of I course. said in the last pod, they couldn't um, they couldn't get to the Ipswich. So I, I had about 35 tickets yesterday of like all my friends and family mm-hmm. and I didn't even play last night and it was special. Like I even got to see them before, uh, before the, the initial whistle and stuff and before the kickoff. And it was just, it was just lovely. So I can't even begin to imagine how it was for your family yeah, being a boy from Maidstone. Yeah. Your boyhood club, you, you grew up in this town. It must have been amazing. I saw a few Sambone masks as well. Yeah, they were everywhere. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I actually got sent a video. Everyone was using them in the pubs and all dancing. <laughs> Pretty cool, man. You could have been there in disguise. Thanks. <laughs> right. no, but 18 it is... stone Sambone. Oh, no, that's the one. That's the one over there. Hey, no, no, no. I made one you know, joke with it. Can, can I just it? say, Ray, and we'll touch on this as we get on in the episode, but again, when I went and sat with Connor yesterday, he was asking about my Irish stint and, and how I got on and stuff. And uh, he said, did the, the St. Pat's fans like you? And I said, well, actually, I've got a funny story. When I played for Waterford, we played them in the first game of the season. And um, at Pat's ground, it's quite enclosed. So you're like right beside the fans. And I was playing right back. And I told him the story <laughs> of um, I was running up and down the wing. And all I can hear from the... He probably wouldn't say running, let's be honest. Oh, no, no, sorry, sorry, I've gone too far. Right. Oh, I'm, I'm, joking, I'm joking, I'm joking. We're fighting after this. <laughs> We're fighting. Sorry, sorry, um, carry on, carry on. But yeah, I'm running down the wing and all I can hear from the fans is, ah, oh, Bone, I'll say, uh, I'll say you're about 18 stone and, and that's me being generous. <laughs> so I, I nearly started crying when I heard that, obviously. But I told Connor yesterday and I haven't heard the end of it. The thing is... Now, now Sol knows as well. Gonna, I told him in good fate as to well. To be fair, I don't even know how much 18 stone is. As you can see, uh, am I fast forward in this? But obviously, we're showing off the shirts. Yes. Um, do you want to start? Or Connor, Connor oh. yours is a pretty cool story, actually. Yours is a very yeah. cool story. Well, first off, hey, you best get me, yeah. I have to give a, a massive shout out to Sol here, because obviously I was on crutches, so I was out for the warm-up, but... No, I was sitting on uh, on the bench, and I don't want to, you know, go near the pitch, like, kind of get too involved, mm-hmm. you know? And Sol was kind enough. Instead, of, he wanted to swap shirts with Casey Palmer. 
And instead of setting that up, he actually went to my fellow American, Haji Wright, Coventry's uh, record signing, and uh, said, you see, my friend over there on crutches is American. He would really like your shirt after the match. And he was like, yeah, no problem. So after the match, I was, uh, I was looking for him. Um, I went to the Coventry dressing room after we had our, our team talk. And this just shows the levels between the game. I, I asked their kit man where he was, and they're like, oh, he's around the corner in the, uh, in the cryotherapy chamber. And I was like, wow. Really? <laughs> I was like, wow. Like, um, well, what do we have to use? These moldy... Yeah, we use uh, <laughs> green bins that are filled with uh, cold water, which, hey, I mean, they, they do, do the, the job. job. They, they do, do the, the job all the same. They're not quite minus 150 degrees or whatever, but they, wow. hey, they are effective. But I must yeah. say that it was quite lucky, a bit like with the Wes Burns story, how I just bumped into him and... Chi, gotta give another shout out to Chi. Chi was saying to me, he was like, oh, I gotta get Hadji's shirt, man. I gotta get Hadji's shirt, man. I was saying, look, Connor didn't get a shirt at Ipswich. Mm -hmm. He's American. Mm -hmm. He well, actually, in the program it said that he was he was British. And a goalkeeper as well. So <laughs> I don't know, know how much to know about you two. Yeah. <laughs> at least they spelled my name right. They got the the one N, which is I swear they the called uh, Gav Justin or something in they the did. program. Yeah. They did. Yeah, it's crazy. Justin Hoy. I think they spelled Lucas's last name wrong. So I'm in good company there of the people they've made mistakes with. Yeah. yeah. They might yeah. think you're you're above five foot nine, which is <laughs> hey, that's a that's a plus, man. <laughs> hey, listen, I'll take it. <laughs> but anyway, it. as soon as I heard that that she or as soon as I heard that Connor wanted the shirt and I knew that other people were gonna go after it, I said, I've gotta try and at least help him. Like if that was me in his situation, I would love for him to try and try and speak to a, a player that I wanted. And fortunately enough, he he did end up getting the shirt. And I must say, I think you should hold the shirt up for the camera. Yeah. The shirt is sick. It's uh, it's absolutely massive. It doesn't have a size on it, but it must be like an extra large or maybe even bigger. But uh, yeah, it, it was so cool, and uh, we had a really nice conversation. He's he's a lovely guy. My uh, my keeper at university <coughs> when I first got to uh to Duke, uh, was actually roommates with him at the U seventeen national team. So they lived together for a year or two. So yeah, we we're chatting about him, and then kind of just his career. He's had. He's had a really interesting career. I, I said to him, I was like, it's kind of a bit embarrassing, but I've probably known who you are since you're about 15 or 16 because he scored a hat-trick against Brazil under 17s, which, you know, for American footballers, that's, that's a massive deal. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, he got a move to Germany. He was playing for the New York Cosmos in the USL, which is, doesn't he, or the New York Cosmos don't even exist anymore. And then he got his move to Schalke, and he never really broke through the first team there, had a, had a tougher stint in Holland, and then went, I think, to Denmark from there and, and kicked on two unbelievable years in Turkey. And now Look he's doing him. bits in the championship and hopefully we'll see him in the Prem next season. You must actually tell, <laughs> tell the listeners and tell the viewers the story about Pulisic and how Pulisic actually got signed yeah. and got scouted because of Haji Wright. So apparently, word on the street is after Haji Wright was, was doing unbelievable, um, Pulisic was obviously in the same team as him. And apparently... What I've heard, again, this might be true. So, Pulisic, if you're watching, uh, <laughs> yeah. if you're watching, let me know. Shout but, out uh, CP, man. Apparently, Dortmund were watching Haji Wright and and fell in love with Pulisic, and then yeah, the rest is history. And and he's gone on to do unbelievable things. Probably had the best career of any American in history so far in in terms of European accomplishments. No, for sure. Yeah. Your and your football knowledge is wild, man. I'm just yeah. listening to you. Brother loves you're talking about stints in Denmark. And <laughs> But we, hey, we haven't got any like sheets of paper or anything about Hadji Wright. That's just all off the dome. So yeah. you have to respect he it. He has too much time on his hands. <laughs> my favorite thing actually about the shirt is that it's long sleeve. Oh my. That I, is so cool. I love a long sleeve shirt and they, and they don't make them anymore. We all grew up watching, you know, David Beckham wearing the long sleeve, yep. Sergio Ramos. Like it's, it's such like a distinctive feature of a kit. And 
they don't really make them anymore. Now it's just skins under a short sleeve. So any tra- anytime I-, I collect football shirts and anytime I have the choice of a long sleeve, I always get it. And I thought it was so cool. We, you notice it after about two or three minutes. As soon, like, as, I, as soon as I saw him come out, really, before he'd even gone out for kickoff, that's when I'd already uh, tried to secure it for Connor. So I was like, oh my God, you're going to get a long sleeve shirt. It's not going to fit you, but that is that is. It definitely won't fit me. I actually, I didn't realize how how tall he is. You know, he's, yeah, I think he's, Come on, anyone's talking better to you, bro. Yeah, no listen, offense, no offense. Hey, I'm only, I'm five nine. I went to the doctor last week for my op, and they said I'm five nine. So that means I'll continue telling woman I'm five foot ten. <laughs> hey, um, shout out Finn though. Shout out your little brother who's meant to be six four or something. Yeah, I have a, a little brother who's six years younger than me, and for some reason, you know, same same parents. We look alike, so there's no there's no drama <laughs> there's there. No... But yeah, he just happens to be six foot four. So yeah, I've been looking up at my little brother ever since he was about twelve, and. Yeah, it's uh, it's not it's not the best, but you know, hey, listen, him. we'll get Shout him on him. when we go yeah. to G Wings twenty two. We'll be looking after him like this. Yeah, yeah. we'll get him on. But what that, about what about you, Casey well, Palmer? I managed to secure KP forty five, which is, well, if you listen to the last part, it was the person I was definitely he's, looking to try. And he's get. been going on about it for weeks and weeks and weeks. But as soon as we got commentary, I said. I've got to try and get... Uh, Who tried to get it yesterday? So, everyone. The thing is... Actually, he secured everyone. it the thing is, early because, as well. Because I decided to do the, the nice thing and try and help out my friend Connor, I didn't get to speak to him before the game. And that was how I got Wes Burns's. So, when I watched the first half, mm-hmm. and hey, I, I, know, I know you played, but Casey Palmer was absolutely... He was ripping it up. He was so He was good. absolutely running the game. He was so good. And I said, I've got to talk to him before halftime, before the second half. Otherwise, I'm not getting that shirt because someone's going to do it before me. Connor was actually sat where we were sat in the stand. Connor was just before the steps. So I said to Connor, look, you've, uh, I've got your shirt and I've helped you out. You've got to help me out now. You've got to go. <laughs> You've got to get out of my way with about a minute to go before half time. You can make your way down the steps because I've got to try and try and get Casey. Fortunately, you did the selfless thing and you got down the steps. Yeah. Held so everyone the, else up the, for me. The two minutes out of time, I was like, at 45, I was like, this could take a few. <laughs> got up, was waiting by the bench. And then I just beelined for him. I, I actually got told off by someone because I covered my mouth like this because obviously we were, we were losing 3-0. I didn't want the gaffer and Craig to see me talking to him and thinking, like, what, what what's he saying? So I was like, Casey, I, I mentioned in the last pod that I used to coach his son back in Bristol when he was at, at Bristol City. I asked like how his son's doing and stuff. And just like, obviously I'm a Bristol City fan, massive fan. Could I, would I be able to get your shirt? And he put his arm around me, which, which you saw and stuff. Yeah, yeah. And he was just, he was just like, yeah, of course. Yeah, of course. And then after the game, because obviously I'm up in the stand, Kips went straight for him after the game. And I could hear him saying, oh, can I get your shirt? Can I get your shirt? And Casey was like, oh, no, no, I have to give it to her. And I was there. And he was like, oh, I have to give it to, to Sol. Fortunately, he took it off and I stuffed it straight in my gilet pocket. And people were asking, people were saying, oh, who got Casey Palmer's shirt? I was like, oh, I don't know, I don't know. Because <laughs> the kit man had actually told them, apparently, that they weren't allowed to give their shirts away because they only had one shirt, different to Ipswich. Ipswich had two or three. But I think it's pretty selfless from the boys and like, they knew that it was such a big occasion for everyone. Mm-hmm. They were like, nah, we're, we're going to give them away. We're going we're gonna to do, we're going to have to give them to the boys, which I don't know if you can see in shot, but Binksy, oh, shout out to Binksy as shout well. Shout out Binksy. Which, what a guy. What Absolutely a legend. legend. Yeah. He was actually, uh, he was uh, upset that he had to give me a, an away one. Oh, sorry, a third, choice, a third kit, sorry. And I was like, brother, that is going to go lovely, lovely on one? the pod. Um, Perry, but Perry used to play Perry, at Jules Perry, and Perry's yeah, a local yeah, course, boy. And I wasn't going to fight. I had already got Casey Palmer's who everyone wanted. I was not going to fight. Binksy's him, but... a legend. We got to get him on. Binksy yeah. will be watching this as well. Yeah. I was chatting to him yesterday. Such a nice guy. Such a nice Absolutely guy. Absolutely legend. I, I, I have sorry. to say, 
Go on, you go. They were so nice. The That's whole team. Unreal. Like I was, I said good game to Casey Palmer, and then he was asking me about my foot, and and we just got chatting, and yeah, I was telling him like I'm a big Chelsea supporter. Like I watched him like growing up, and mm -hmm. it's so nice to see like you know while he didn't make it at Chelsea, he's doing so so well, and mm -hmm. I, he's an unbelievable player. Yeah, he is so and, good. And even after in the in the tunnel, shout out Mofile. Mo managed to start talking to him and we all all just chatting outside their change room and Casey even went up to him and was like, oh, I, I know who you are, you know, non-league bagsman. And Mo was absolutely buzzing. No Mo way. was buzzing. Mo was like, I've got to get a photo of you. So I took a photo and I was like, oh my God, I've got Casey Palmer's shirt here. I was like, I've got to get a photo of you as well. Oh, Had nice. a photo and I was just like, ah, oh, I was absolutely made up. And so we're on the coach back <laughs> and we're really talking about how crazy it is and Mo is like, he keeps whispering because he don't want to say it too loud. He's like, should I, uh, should I have him follow me? Or should I follow him? And I'm like, yeah, bro. Like he he's reposted. So I've skipped a part there. Yeah. Mo's posted that story on his photo, and Casey Palmer has reposted it, and Mo and, is and, going crazy. And he's wow. reposted it non-league wow. bagsman. Yeah. Mo is going I crazy, and and it, I don't know if he was nervous, but he keeps whispering. Oh, like should I follow him? Should I follow? Do you think I'll get the follow back? And I'm like, I would risk it. Like it's not it's not it's not gonna hurt you. And he followed him, and I think. The best moment of Mo Fowl's career came on that coach <laughs> when he got that notification. Casey Palmer started following you. Oh, so, yeah, he's, say, he's buzzing off that. A little bit embarrassing for me, actually. So I'd already posted the picture on my story. Oh, you're actually going to out yourself? I'm going to out myself because... what do you? Uh, if he didn't, hope, I was then, about to. Yeah, exactly. And then, and then hey, hope that he watches I have it nothing and, to and hide. then follows you. I have nothing to hide on this Casey, podcast. Casey, if you're watching this, if Binksy well, tells you well, or Matty well, tells you... He's absolutely guy. Well, no, no, no. This is not going to change anything to do with this year. I still... I'm going to cherish this year. But Connor messages me because we're in different parts of the coach saying, oh my God, Casey Palmer's just followed my file. Look at his story. <laughs> and I went, <laughs> I went straight to his story, reposted. I was like, no, 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 no. Because I didn't, I didn't tag Casey in my photo. So I was like, I don't know what to do. I'd seen that like quite a few people liked it. I think, what did you say? 150 I reckon about people. 150 people liked it. Wow. Because obviously I'm a Bristol, I'm a Bristol boy. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I was going through and I was like, oh, can, I, can I repost this? I deleted it straight away. As soon as I saw that <laughs> Casey Palmer had followed me, I said, I deleted it straight away. I said, first thing in the morning, Boom, I'm posting it. I posted it this morning, KB45, little cold, tagged him. Still, still not being seen. Still not being seen. So hey, Binksy, Binksy, you might have to, to help me out. Just maybe a little repost or a little something just to, he's just got to tell his phone Casey. On airplane mode and do not disturb while we record. And I can guarantee you the first thing he's gonna check once we've stopped recording is his Instagram. You never my know. Boy, my boy. Maybe he just hasn't been on his phone in like 18 hours. Who knows? No, 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 it was only this morning. It was only this I've morning. been with this boy when he first got his blue tick. And I've never seen someone so happy, but that I was could, screaming in the car. I can't lie. I was absolutely could, um, screaming. That could top that, I think. And you'll be celebrating when you... Uh, you probably won't get one, actually. I think I'm just going to buy it. I think I'm just going to buy it at this point. Meta verified. It's <laughs> never coming. <laughs> How many times have you tried? Uh, about Sorry, four about now. About four. Oh, Listen, no, but Saul is going to write my application next time. He knows tough. the secret formula, apparently. So if, if I get it in the next month, it's one of two things. Saul's written it for me, or I've just said set, like screw it and I've bought it myself. It's the it's the power of social media because those blue ticks are like gold dust. Nah, and I, remember, I'll, no, I'm not I would gonna... never buy one. All jokes aside, no, that's, I'd, that's I'd like miles to think off no. it. Yeah. Here's the other thing though: if you look at Lucas, Lucas doesn't follow Lucas. You live with Lucas, the keeper, yeah, and he doesn't, he doesn't even follow you. Well, I don't I don't follow him though. Lucas will send photos, uh, send videos and stuff on Instagram to you, and he doesn't even follow you. It's, and like, it's so weird. He's so strange. Yeah. So Lucas was like to me, I was like, I looked at his Insta, I said, you don't even have a blue tick. He didn't follow me. So I was like, you don't have a blue tick. Mm -hmm. He was like, oh, nah, like you can only pay for it now. I said, brother, <laughs> brother, come here. I set up his application. Brother again, was he? Oh, sorry. 
my friend. <laughs> let's do a, I think I said it at the start, let's do a brother count. <laughs> Every time brother. But listen, I'm, got, I'm gonna have to go through this. It's gonna take about an extra 25 hours on the yeah, That's true. a good point. I'll we'll do a grand total at the end. Grand yeah. total, good yeah, shot. Yeah. But anyway, uh, so I looked at Lucas's um, his Instagram, sorry, we didn't have a blue tick. Mm -hmm. I said, I'll sort that out for you. Did all the application. Boom, first thing in the morning, blue tick. I said, that deserves a follow. Yeah, it was first thing. That deserves morning. a follow. Yeah, I, I said, yeah. He even follows Fowler's coaching account. But not Fowler. But doesn't follow him. <laughs> I invited him over for Christmas. Obviously, he's from Brazil and all. Um, I didn't want him to spend it on his own because his, his girlfriend was still in Croatia, wasn't she? Yeah. Um, and obviously, I'm buying the boys' presents, trying to make them feel comfortable. And Lucas tells me, ah, oh, I'll follow you on Instagram. That can be your Christmas present. And I was like, okay, whatever. But like, it's only me, you, because you got him the blue tick. And like I said, Fowler's Football Academy. That's yeah. literally, shout out Fowler's Football Academy. Yeah, yeah as well. Yeah, yeah. Well, actually, I'm actually Fowler. starting to work for our Mondays. All right. Come March. Yeah, so. oh, yeah. Uh, position specific training. Come yeah. on. We didn't Come get the, yeah, if, uh, we didn't get asked. Well, we've already got a defender. You, that's you done. And then Excuse Danny. <laughs> Where did you play last night for most of the game? Thank you. He's just showing his versatility though. Thanks. He can do it all. He can do it all. <laughs> Oh, yeah, that's the first compliment that you've given me, I'd say. The the non-league 18 stone James Milner. <laughs> yeah, I'm actually getting rinsed on this podcast. Maybe this wasn't a good idea setting up this podcast, actually. In, your in, my, in my head, I, I thought we'd take the mick out of you. And now it seems to be me. I know. I, I, you Anyone said, can get it. Anyone can get you it. You said it was going to be We're me. We're coming for him next. You can yeah, try. You can try and I'll it, back back It harder. is hard though. It is hard. You, you said you were going to come for me today. So I've just jumped on Saul's bandwagon. <laughs> I come for you. That's true. At the start, we did say... We're coming for you today because you've been a nightmare at the start. Uh, fair enough. To be Just laying here away with the fairies. <laughs> Always. But anyway, we're, we're waffling on. The shirt I got was Matty Godden's. Obviously, if you watched the, the previous podcast, I spoke about how he played for my dad's academy. Um, I grew up, obviously, idolizing him. I was, I think he put on his Insta yesterday. I was about 10 years old when I first met him. And he was the real success story of my dad's academy. So... Uh, I obviously looked up to him, as did the whole of my dad's academy. He was someone that he's gone on to play in the football league and stuff, and obviously that's every footballer's dream. So I think it was fate that we drew Coventry. I remember when the draw initially happened, there obviously was disappointment and stuff. But for me, it was it was special because I knew that I'd be able to share the picture with him, and it was a it was a lovely moment yesterday. We were celebrating with our fans and uh, I get a, a tap on the shoulder and it's Matt and he's like, where's your dad? Where's your dad? So we tried to point him out in the crowd and we managed to find him. And then my dad said that, and it's not often my dad sheds a tear. He actually texted me yesterday saying that um, he started to tear up because it was such a lovely moment. So um, it was just so special to, to share the picture with him. I managed to catch up with him after as well, get his top, which will 100% be framed. I can't wait to frame that. That's actually that you don't understand. It, it means so much to me. I don't want to come across as it as if I'm fanboying, and but it is so special. And like I said, it was nice to to catch up with him. And he actually did say, didn't he, Connor? Connor, I introduced yeah. you. Yeah. He said that he was gonna try and come on the podcast. So that would be that'd be incredible. I mean, because he's gone from he was at Scunthorpe. I believe he made his debut against Man United. Wow! And I was wow. actually watching that game uh, live on TV. I really hope I'm not. I'm, no, I, I'm not actually, wrong. that actually does ring a bell. I can't lie. How does that ring a bell because, for you? Because of the the Ebbs fleet, I did some searching yesterday because he ah. put on the Instagram caption mm -hmm. that 
he had a fond place in his heart for you being at Maidstone, mm -hmm. even after the 2016 playoff final. Yeah. So I had I to think... do a little bit of searching. Right. And then I think in his Wikipedia, yeah. it said that he made his debut. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because yeah. I remember uh, watching, I think it might have been the, at the time, the Carling Cup or the FA. It was one of the, obviously, yeah. the Cups. Um, so yeah, and then he's obviously, he dropped down then to, to National League South, played for Ebbsfleet, and then he's just worked his, his way up the leagues now. He's obviously in the championship. Yeah. Uh, banging goals and he's had an unbelievable career Great so career. I think just for the viewers who who are young watching this I think he'd be a, an incredible guest because he's literally a success story of he's had to drop down the league to then sort of spring boost back up yeah. so um, Matty if you're watching this it'd be incredible to have you on the podcast and hopefully we can we can get that sorted in the summer and I think that probably brings us on to our the topic of this podcast mm -hmm. it's going to start like a little bit of a mini series about each one of our careers. And today we're gonna to focus on, on you, Boney. And for the viewers and the listeners, Boney's gonna talk a little bit about his experiences or, or we're hoping him to. And we're gonna interject with some questions because like I said, we've all had very different paths. We've all had very different experiences. So especially when we get to like Connor, we're gonna not understand or anything really about yeah. the US system. Yeah, I don't think many, uh, many of the audience will to be fair. <laughs> But that's good though, because then hopefully that brings Americans yeah. and they can relate no, to your story, you know? Yeah. So um, if we start you off, Boney, we'd like to know, like, what was your first initial footballing memory? I'd say it was when I'd just come back from Malaysia. Uh, I was five years old when I come back from Malaysia and I was obviously, I was football mad. My dad finished his career out there. Uh, so I sort of grew up sort of watching my dad play and stuff, you know? So that was just in my blood to football, football, football. Um, but I remember my dad telling me that I was going to go to the, not the local field, um, but like to a local football centre and I was going to play football and I rocked up and um, I was actually, he'd signed me up for a team. The team's called Park Farm Rangers. It was a, a local side. King actually played. <laughs> the boy. King, yeah, Wonder King was there. King was centre back actually. My friend Tyron, who I'm really close with, he was there. Um, but that was my first footballing memory and my time at Park Farm, it was just incredible, you know. Even to this day, I still speak with ex-teammates. Um, it's funny how football works like that, but ex-teammates and stuff. And at the time, my dad used to work on Saturdays. That's when he probably used to coach Matty on a Saturday morning. Uh, so he could never take me to the games. My mum had uh, her epilepsy, so she wasn't able to drive at that time. And it was actually Tyron's mum, Janita. She used to... Uh, she used to take us every Saturday morning. She used to she used to get like little um, celebrations. So you see at halftime, instead of the oranges, you, did you ever used to have the oranges at hey, halftime? Yeah, yeah, yeah. No yeah. wonder 18 stone, no wonder. <laughs> yeah, Tyron's mum. Tyron's mum started it off. Yeah, literally. Um, but yeah, she used to bring the little selection boxes and stuff and at halftime we'd eat chocolates and stuff like that. But that was, um, that was such a special time. That was when I sort of started to love football. I know I'm saying about obviously being football mad, but I suppose when you start playing, uh, that's when you really, you know, get your love for it, you know? And uh, my time there was was just incredible and yeah, fond memories. And I think that's, that's important to say that for a lot of kids out there who aspire to be mm -hmm. professional footballers, which we're very fortunate that we're in that position, mm -hmm. I can definitely say like like you, Boney, that when I first started playing football, it wasn't, oh, I want this to be my career. This is yeah, what I want to do when I'm older. Literally. It was- You're just playing for the fun of we it. We just loved it. We just loved playing loved with it. our friends. We love enjoying it. We love 
the school, school being over on a Friday, mm -hmm. thinking tomorrow I've got a game, I've got training tonight. Yeah. And I think, I think that's really important for kids to understand that even though we are in this fortunate position, it wasn't always, ah, oh, I want to be a footballer. 100%. Do you, um, do you have any memories of being in Malaysia? No, not, I remember being on the pitch with my dad. Um, there's some pictures there of, I had, he played for a team called Home United. I can't remember if that was in Singapore or Malaysia. Uh, but that was my only sort of football memory. I, I remember the apartment. Um, one of my dad's friends, Marcus, I remember, he used to, he was a close friend of my dad, so he, he used to always chill with my dad, you know, during trainings and stuff. He used to, I used to be around him, but that's the only real memory I, I have. And that's something that I do want to do is is go back to Malaysia and and go and, you know, see where he started his football career and stuff, you know? Now, we've all already been spammed with quite a few messages about mm -hmm your eligibility to play for Malaysia. Yeah. Is that something that you would like to do potentially in the future or you're just concentrating on your career in England? Yeah, or? Well, it's, it's not something that, I mean, I've got so many, do I call them fans? I suppose they are fans that, that comment on my uh, Instagram posts. I get so many DMs saying, bro, you need to play for Malaysia in the Asian qualifiers and stuff. It's not something that I've ever looked into. There was a bit of hype around it, but I've never, I've never looked into it about you know possibly getting the passport and representing them. Um, and who knows? I mean, that could be something that I, I look at in the future. But obviously, with with the way the season's gone and stuff, is I suppose it's not at the forefront of my mind. Of you know? Yeah. Yeah. You could be like uh, the Malaysian Ben Burton Diaz, right? <laughs> yeah. You know? Found through a football Chile. manager to have, and that's Chile. how that's how it was founded. Was it? Yeah, that's how it was founded. Wow. So if you for the viewers that that play football manager, in fact, I have so many texts from people who play it, um, and they say that oh, I'm missing you because you're you're representing Malaysia during the season, and I'm not eligible to play for Maystone then during the the season in football manager. But that's how it was founded from someone who was playing the game, recognised that I I was born in Malaysia, and then it's just sort of blew up from there. Yeah, are you, so are you still holding out hope for the uh, the England call? Is that what's uh, <laughs> making you delay it? Although, or maybe the Irish call up because no, yeah, brother, you know? I, I lost hope for that England call up quite a while back. Um, you never know, Jamie Vardy did it. Well, there, there we go. Then yeah. I'll keep I'll, I'll keep striving for it. But um, <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think that's out the picture now. So. Uh, I don't think I have to yeah. worry about that. Yeah, Southgate's pretty set with his midfield. Isn't <laughs> I was going to say Bellingham. Maybe a defender. Yeah. Who knows? Who knows? <laughs> do you know what I mean? No, not a defender. Yeah. Not a defender, no. no. Sorry, sorry. Um, I think we should probably go a little bit further back to mm -hmm. your to your earlier days. Mm -hmm. So you said that you started off at, at Park Farm with your with your friends and uh, obviously your your families and stuff who used mm -hmm. to take you to the game. Where did it kind of go from there? I'm nearly sure Park Farm sort of folded. Um, locally, there was a, a site called Kennington, which uh, a lot of the boys went to, went to play there, but... I don't want to sound arrogant in saying this, but I think as you get older, you sort of recognise that you, you know, you have some sort of ability and stuff. And at the time, uh, there was a team called Trinity, uh, which is based in which was based in Ramsgate, but they were a really good side. Used to win the the, the divisions and stuff. And I went there. I went there for a. I think I did about two years. Well, no, I did longer. But the way it works is when you go into the Kent League, I can't. I can't remember exactly what age it is you you go into the Kent League, but it has to come under a different name. So I did I obviously play for Trinity and then we turned into Ramsgate and then we played in the, the Kent League and I was there for a number of years and, and that was 
you know, we used to win the leagues all the time. So your dad, dad wasn't your manager at Ramsgate? No. So what happened was my dad was a separate academy. So okay. I'd obviously play my football from Ramsgate. And during the week, then my dad would have his academy and we'd train once a week. And then during the, the half terms, we'd, because my dad had built up these contacts through his, uh, through his playing career, um, during the half terms and all, he'd, he'd set up tours to go and play against, you know, Sunderland. I remember we played against Hull City. Nicky Bambi was actually... The uh, Craig actually knows him really well. I noticed really? that on his socials last week. Nicky Bambi was the uh, was the manager of I think it, at the time was like the under 11s and stuff. And I remember as a young kid, you know, you grow up sort of watching him, and I was oh my god, Nicky Nicky Bambi's the manager, and that was really special. But my dad was was separate, so my my league football was was with Ramsgate. My dad then he was convinced to set up a Sunday league side to compete in the the Kent League, so. I think a few boys from his academy signed up for the team. So did I. So I left Ramsgate and uh, we're playing in this league, but we were getting beat every week, like every week. And I think it, bless my dad, I think it was stressful for him as well as <laughs> as, as well as trying to run his academy. So, um, but when we when we folded, I went to, to Kennington then, which again, um, I knew like loads of the team, et cetera, et cetera. And I played there for about two months. And that was when I was about 14. So I used to, uh, Ira Jackson, you know Ira Jackson. Yeah, shout Ira. Um, so I used to meet him and train with him and his dad. And uh, I remember my dad drove past me as I was on my bike going to the local pitch. And he and he said to me, he said, um, Charlton are coming to watch you um, this Sunday. So I was like, wow, like I've got to be on it here. And I had a knack from when I was younger, I used to go missing in the in the big games. Um, I think putting pressure on my... I used to... Don't say what I think you're about to say. <laughs> I, I think so. Do not so think, I no, no, think no. with his eyes, I could tell he was going to say when you were younger. Yes. No, do I didn't not. say anything. Don't even go there. I didn't say anything. Um, but yeah, obviously, so I was super excited about that. They come to watch me and I actually had a really good game. I, th I scored twice. And yeah, my dad said to me after, he said, you're, you're going in Tuesday. So I was like, this was incredible, you know, Charlton at the time with the championship. I remember going in for my first session and Ricardo Fuller was there. Wow. You, yeah, was a big player. Ricardo big Fuller. player. Yeah. yeah, he was there and I was obviously starstruck and stuff like that. He'd played in the Prem for... For Stoke, uh, For Stoke. Right? Yeah. I was going to say Stoke, yeah. yeah. Um, but turned up, did well and my first trial match was against Tottenham at Tottenham's brand new training facility as well. So that was such a cool experience to go and play there. But at the time, um, who's the lad from Sporting? Who was Marcus Edwards? Marcus yeah. Edwards, yeah, absolutely gave me the runaround. Like, I still to this day don't know how I got signed after that performance. Like, I obviously did a good. I obviously did some things well, and I just think because it was against that caliber of player, um, it just so happened Charlton signed me straight away. And he's like a. England Youth International. And yeah, stuff. Like, but he, bro, he was so good. And if you've never seen like the Marcus Evers videos, I think it was for England in the 16s when he was like 14. Yeah. And he's got this big afro. He had the, the afro. The yeah. green hypervenoms yeah. on. He is unbelievable. Mm -hmm. Unbelievable. Mm -hmm. And I think a lot of people thought, there's even videos online that said like he's going to be the next Messi and stuff. He, like, was, he was so, so good. good. But he even ripped up a few seasons back when Sporting were in the... Well, when I they think, came back to Tottenham. Yeah. yeah. Ripped it up. Yeah, yeah, yeah I always remember his, um, his interview, post-match interview. If you haven't seen it, go and watch it. It's so <laughs> funny. So roadman, man. man. <laughs> yeah. You can tell he's from he's from London. He's the ends. Uh, from the ends, yeah. But yeah, so I um I signed there and 
happy days. I got myself a contract. I don't know how it worked, whether it was till the end of the season or I can't I can't exactly remember what I'd signed, but yeah, sure enough, I was a a Charlton player, and um, it's funny because so when I played Sunday League, I was like the big dog. Um, sort of everyone. I don't want this to come across wrong, no, it's but big fish in a small pond. Yeah, exactly. Everyone sort of looked at Sam Bowen and said, "Oh, well, he's one of the the really good players in the league." And going into Charlton, then you're a small fish. Literally, you're a small fish. I remember going in there. Esri Concer was in there and stuff like that. Yeah, Admola Luckman. Yeah. He wasn't there at the time. Oh, he wasn't there yet. No, he wasn't. He wasn't there at the time. He was actually playing Sunday League until the very end of under 16s could have even been at the start of scholars wow. but we'll come on to that because that's a pretty cool story um but yeah i remember going there and i after when i was signed um i didn't drop my levels but i wasn't performing as as well as i i, I should have been could have been um i found myself out of the team and stuff and yeah, it was uh, it was tough because I I was struggling then for confidence and I was quite shy at that age as well. I didn't really get in amongst it with the boys and stuff. And there were, were there were times I'd actually dread training. To be honest, I, I didn't want to go in there. I didn't really enjoy it. Um, I think but, sorry, sorry, I think I've had a similar situation where when you're going into a mm -hmm. an unknown environment, it's it can be daunting. It, it can be really daunting. And when yeah. there's boys really that daunting. are established. Yeah. in those sort of teams yeah. and they've already got their their friendship groups and stuff and then at the end of the day you're coming in there to yeah. to take their shirt take their place it can be really really intimidating and I, I think you, it's it's harder at a younger age as well no of course you know people I think when you're young when you're a teenager people are clickier yeah, there's less movement easy. between 100%. clubs you know you have you have boys that'll sign for Charlton at 8 and play until they're 18 yeah. then hopefully make the first I team I remember there. Victor was there um, I think he plays for Bolton now the striker. I can't remember his last name. I do know his last name, but I don't want to butcher it on camera. So perhaps <laughs> we'll talk about it off yeah, camera. Yeah, we'll put but it up. He's, <laughs> yeah. no, he's gone on. He's playing League One now, um, doing really well. So, he, But he was there and stuff like that. But like going back to that story, I did I did struggle for confidence and stuff. And I remember there was um, a game. I can't remember who it was against, but my dad was away probably on one of his tours Mum at this stage still couldn't drive. And I remember picking up the phone to Ira's dad and saying, do you mind taking me up to Charlton? Um, I've got a game there this Saturday. Uh, Dad's not here, can't take me. I've got no one to take me. Do you mind taking me? And because I grew up with Ira, um, when the game kicked off, I wanted to try and prove a point and, and show Ira, well, look, look, you know, I'm doing really well and stuff. And I wanted to come across as if, I was one of the main players mm -hmm. and it worked. Like I was really good, really, really good in the game. And we, I think we won. I had a disallowed goal that game as well, offside. Um, but yeah, after that game then, um, got a call from, from Charlton. They was like, right, we want you to come in with the, with the under 18s. So I'd gone from having my confidence down here to now my confidence being sky high. So I, it was just incredible. I went into, that could have been, sorry, that could have been when I saw Ricardo Fuller because I went in then for day release. And that was quite a big thing then when you was younger. You used, to, you used to get called out of school. Leave school would, yeah. All your mates the, must have been so excited. Bro, I, used, I, I got Jealous. a story as well. Yeah. I got a story. So anyway, one of the teachers was knocking the door. Um, sorry, is, is Sam Bone in here? He needs, to, he needs to leave for training. 
you obviously you're walking out 10 feet tall the the mcgregor strut you're walking out <laughs> you're thinking you're the main man um but yeah when i did the training again really nervous as you would be uh, 15 well i could have been 14 at the time because i'm august but 14 year old me going to train with the under 18s obviously you're very nervous um but went really well and i remember after that session um because it was like late and school was like nearly finished my dad was like we'll just go home i was like no we're not i was like you're taking me back to school i want everyone to i want everyone to see me walking <laughs> in i remember i had a little crush as well on this girl who used to go to the school um say names. You want to shout her out yeah. names, no, no, no 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 shout out no, no. is, is it the same girl that you you've mentioned to me before yeah about, and then with, with we ended up having a relationship yeah, and then ah, okay no so name. um yeah no no name and names uh, but anyway, yeah, so my dad was like, why Why do you want me to drop you into school? Like, what's going on here? I didn't want to tell him. I want to go in and sort of speak about it in front of everyone. Uh, I was quite shy as well, funnily enough. I was quite shy. And I went into science class and I was like, oh, oh Sam, oh, how was how was training? And all the girls are like, Sam, and giving me hugs. And me like, going all red, giving them a hug. Um, but yeah, that was, that was such a cool memory. And then that was sort of the... The kickstart of it all. Um, once I played in the 18, I trained with the 18. As you can imagine, my my confidence then is sky high. Mm -hmm. Like I'm going into the games full of confidence. How was the the transit? Because I know you know obviously for most 14 year olds, it's a big jump. But you were quite developed early on, right? Like you were a no. You weren't, bro. I was so skinny. Really? No, but we've, we've, I think you mean like height wise. Yeah, yeah. Saw, like, I was tall, but I was really skinny. Ah, okay. Really I've, skinny. I've seen a, a video. On, on your Instagram, I think playing for like mm -hmm. maybe like Kent County or whatever, and you go on a crazy run and you smack it you're in quite with powerful, your left. Yeah, quite powerful. yeah. You're just as but powerful. But that was when I was playing for my. 24. That's when I was playing for my dad's academy. I left my dad's academy to go to Charlton, and I wasn't allowed to play for another team. No, of course, um, that was actually the last tournament I played in for my dad. It was the Kill Cup in in Manchester, and I was just f like full of confidence then. Like obviously, I was. One of the main players in the You're team, so yeah. I'm doing all sorts like stepovers and stuff, like completely. Never playing. been in this game as well. <laughs> yeah, but like, as you can imagine, as, as you do when you're confident, you do everything. Um, training with the 18s, I'm going into the 16s games then full of confidence, and the under 18s actually had a game, and it's funny how it all works out. But they had a game against Maidstone at the Gallagher. And because it's obviously local, I had my friends come to the stadium to watch it. I balled out. I played well. I played really well. And I was actually offered my scholarship. I think it was the day after. So that's how I came to be a it's, scholar and stuff. It's and funny how it's all gone almost full circle. Hasn't yeah. It? But it's it's weird how I sort of thrive when I've got people coming to watch and i you know, my, my my ex manager who will come on to, he always used to say, like, go away from the game having people talk about you. Mm -hmm. You know, when you're playing in the match, have have the people in the crowd going, Wow, that Sam Bone was so good, wasn't he? And I think that was my mentality from a young age, was when other people were watching, I was like, I wanna show them. Well, I'm the main guy here. Like I said to you about the Ira situation, like my confidence was so low, but because Ira and his dad came to watch me, I was like had a point to prove. I had a point to prove. I wanted to show him I was the main guy. Um so yeah, that's how the the scholar come about, and obviously finished the season with the under sixteens with Charlton, and then I did my my scholarship, you know.
And I think it must be said, might be skipping a little bit further on forward. But we'll come back to it. Don't but worry about it. You did end up playing against the Gavin Hoyt. We're actually skipping on there because that was towards the end of my first year as a scholar. So um, as you can imagine, going to Charlton, start my scholarship. I actually moved out of home, moved to Eltham with um, Carl Lieber and TJ Lieber, who are actually big. They're very big within the Charlton community. Uh, TJ works for the club. Carl was an ex-player of the club. He, their son, Miles Lieber, actually plays for Charlton now. Oh, really? I remember him when he was was this tall, yeah. So, um, yeah, first year was... was well, it, went, it went really well. Um, was playing. And then towards the end of that season, um, we played in the semi-final of the National League. So if you, the way it works is if you finish first and second in the South League of cat, Category 2... You play, so the top team would play the runners-up of the North League. Um, so, you know, the teams, well, the teams mm -hmm. up north. Uh, and I played really well in the semi-final. Uh, we won that. It was against Nottingham Forest at the Valley. And because I played really well, I was called up to the 23s to play in the Kent Cup final uh, against Ginningham. That's when then Gavin Hoyt Gavin appears. Hoyt. Um, the Gavin Hoyt. But that was, that was incredible. The best guy in football. Huh? Oh, Justin's what brother, man. Justin's brother. What, <laughs> what a guy. <laughs> But I was I was 16 at the time, and yeah, sure enough, we put we played Gillingham at Gillingham Stadium, Priestfield. I really hope it's Priestfield, isn't it? No, it is. It is yeah, it I was going to say. Uh, but at the time, seven seven first team players were playing. So Leon Leg, um, Hessen Tyler, whatever his name is, mm -hmm. Gav was Andy playing, and we won the game. We won the game, um, and that was just incredible. So then after that, we played in the final, and I think you even said to me that. Didn't Adam O'Lookman, was he on the bench for that he, game? It was one of the two. It could have been Addy or Esri that wasn't involved. I'm nearly sure Esri wasn't involved. Addy could have, outside. Addy could have, yeah, now look what's <laughs> happened. Now look what happened. But uh, Addy could have been on the bench. Um, Regan Charles Cook and all were playing. Harry Lennon, Dylan Phillips and stuff like that. Um, so that was just incredible. But then we, we, went on, we went on to win the, after that, obviously won that, went on to win the under-18s cup, the national cup. And I had a break, obviously, the, the off-season and stuff. And I remember then going into my second year as a scholar, um, saying to myself, right, well, I've played for the 23s now, so my aim this season is going to be, I'll, I'll do pre-season with the 23s, and then I'll, I'll try and push first team around October, November. Um, and again, that just it goes back to being naive and stuff like that. And, and my attitude then just changed because when I went back for the second-year scholar, uh, I started doing pre-season with the under-18s. I was like, what am I here for? Like, I've just played in the... You got a bit big time. Very big time. Very arrogant. And I wasn't a nice person to, to be around. I didn't listen to anyone. I thought I knew best. And ultimately, we'll come on to that. But that was my downfall. Um, but yeah, so anyway, I got little niggles. I wasn't living right. Wasn't training properly. And yeah, it was, it was the my downfall because come the end of the season then the the guy you know i still haven't found out about what where, where's my pro contract mm -hmm. like boys are getting off of the pro contract where's mine he's like, assuming that because yeah, of what i'm just you've done yeah exactly that i'm just assuming i'm gonna that. get and because i'm young i'm naive i'm forgetting about the fact that i'm actually not a good person to to be around you're not coachable i'm not george lapsley was our captain of under 18s he plays for Gillingham now mm -hmm. Never used to listen to him. And he was the skipper. Never used to listen to him. Thought I knew best. Um, and just like I said, just wasn't a, a nice person to, to be around within the environment. 
And come the end of the season then, um, I was effectively released. Now, having said that, the last two games, again, we, we finished first and second. So we played in the National League semi-final, won that, played in the final. I actually played really well in those two games uh, because I sort of knew that all well, my contract's running out in a couple of weeks. I need yeah. to do something special here. Uh, so I copped on a little bit, played really well. And Steve Avery actually offered me um, a six-month extension to my scholar. So I wouldn't be on the pro wages. So like a schoolboy? I'd still be on my scholarship wage. And I remember thinking, I'm done here. Like, Why are you trying to offer me a scholar? Like, I'm going to go on and, and play for um, a better team. And, and I've, you know, I'm going to do this, I'm going to do that. And then I'm going to find myself in the football league. Mm -hmm. um, but it's funny how life works because... A few months after that, that's when I was diagnosed with the with the cancer, and we'll touch upon that. But that was um, I was obviously out of football for a little while, and that gave me time to reflect on. And I said it to the the BBC last week in an interview. That gave me to that gave me time to reflect on on who I was as a person, and ultimately made me a, a better person for it. And and those days now of being arrogant and thinking that I'm the best player ever, they're they're gone now. So. It no, was a learning. It was a learning curve, you know. And I'm glad it happened. Sorry, I'm glad it happened, because I always feel like I never have regrets. Never, ever, ever have regrets. And I feel like I needed that to 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 learn as a person. And ultimately, it's it's made me a better footballer for it as well. I think it's it's weird to imagine you not being a good teammate or someone to be around. Because I think one thing that you really take pride in is I, I saw it firsthand when I came in as a trialist. So nice to everyone, you mm -hmm. know, and, and you're one of those players you want to always have on the pitch with you, mm -hmm. you know. Uh, last night's a perfect example. Mm -hmm. After 15 minutes, we're down. You get moved positions, don't say a word about it, mm -hmm. right? And mm -hmm. you continued and had a really good game in a, in a different position, right? And I think a lot of people could, you know, maybe not be like over the moon about that and, mm -hmm. and you didn't say a word about mm -hmm. it. And, and earlier in the season, you're playing center half. It's, mm -hmm. it's really nice while obviously there's been negatives that have have happened to you that have made you learn maybe a, a different way to be it's it's crazy how much growth you've probably had through those years and like i said i'm glad that, that i've gone through that um, because ultimately football is a team game it's not like boxing where you're on your own ufc mm -hmm. you're on your own yeah you know you've got 10 other players around you as well as the boys on the bench and the the way i look at it is all successful teams it stems, and we actually said this in the podcast, it was about you being around the environment, although you're injured. It stems from having a good squad, mm -hmm. good people, good attitudes. You know, you look at successful teams, you've got experience in there, you've got young lads that are trying to break through and they're at it every day. So I think that's very important is to be a very, very good team player and not be one of those players that oh, if when something's going wrong, you throw your toys at the pram and you're like, oh, you have your head down. You've got to be one of those players that sort of drag your team with you, you know? No, of course. So that's, it's so important to be like that. And I think the saying is one bad apple or one rotten apple. 100%. Ruins the, the fruit bowl, isn't it? 100%. Yeah. I mean, everything. I haven't heard that saying before, brother, but. No? No. I have. What is it? What is it? One bad hey, fruit ruins the bowl. One rotten apple. It actually happened to me today when I went to reach for my apples. They're all gone now. <laughs> it must have been one. <laughs> and I think I must touch back on the, on the cancer. Obviously, it's something that. Connor and I haven't gone through and that many people won't have gone through. And I think it's also, it's, it's amazing that you have obviously come out of the other side and mm -hmm. that you can comment on what you've gone through and you can speak, you can speak so highly mm -hmm. that 
you're actually almost glad that it happened because it kind of changed the way that you, your mental yeah. and the way that you now approach life and the way that you see things mm -hmm. through almost like a different lens. Mm -hmm. Can you actually just give us more of a backstory after Charlton and, and how you found out? So, yeah, it was the night of my auntie's wedding, Auntie Bella. We'd all um, we'd all decided to to go to Cyprus. She wanted it there in my in the back garden of my nan's house. But it was that evening because uh, I sleep on my front. Um, I went to bed and it was really uncomfortable, really uncomfortable. And it was funny because a few years before that, Dylan Tombidis, I actually again touched upon this in all the interviews that I've had to do during this FA Cup run, but he'd passed away from testicular cancer. And I always remember subconsciously just thinking, well, if there was a lump there, would I ever be able to, you know, notice that it's there? Like, what happens if I have a lump there and I don't realise and, you know, I just get ill and then I die? You know, it was always in the back of my mind. And yeah, sure enough, I'd, I'd gone to bed that, that evening, really uncomfortable. And I said to myself, right, tomorrow I'll wake up and if it's still sore, I'll, I'll check. And I still remember that moment as if it was yesterday. Um, woke up really sore took myself up to the bathroom and sure enough there was a, a lump there you wouldn't miss it you wouldn't miss it so for any viewers that you know get inspired by this and find the lump you, or, or or are thinking oh what would happen if it's there and i, and I can't find it? it you do find it like it's there yeah. you can't miss it um obviously the testicle as well swells up as well so that's a a big sight it's a, yeah it's a big sign so uh, what had happened then, I, I returned back to England and by this time then my, it it become obviously knowledge that there's there was something there and stuff, you know, but um, I remember my family telling me that I have to go and get it sorted, but because I was so, and, and looking back, it was probably silly for me, because, but because I was so adamant and trying to find the club, you know, like it goes back to football, 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 um, I sort of tried to put it behind me. And as you do, you don't, there's millions of people in this world. The last thing you think of is you have cancer, you know? So um, obviously the, the opportunity arose to go to Man United, Sunderland, Bristol City on trial. My boys. Um, but obviously it didn't work out. So it's funny because when I come back from Bristol City, I was watching, um, and I won't go into too much detail with this, but I was watching a show and it just so happened someone on the show had terminal cancer because they were too scared to go and get it checked out. And that sort of went, something clicked in my head. So I remember a few days later, I was like calling my mum, I was like, mum, look, we have to, I want to get this sorted now, you know? I, I still I still feel it, yeah, you know, there's still swelling there. Can we arrange to go to the, the hospital? So she sorted it for me. And anyway, I get there and I speak to the the, the doctor, and he, he's doing his checks and all, and he turns around and he says, no, he says, no, no you're fine. He says, there's there's nothing there. So I was in the back of my head, I'm going, well, no, hang on a minute. What like, is this then? <laughs> are you actually a doctor? There <laughs> is something there. But uh, I said to him, I said, look, um, can you send me off for a, a, CT, a CT scan or whatever it is? And he was like, yeah, okay, okay, look, just to clear your mind, I'll, I'll send you for a scan. So he sends me off for this scan and, Sure enough, then um, it comes back that there's a tumour there. So uh, we get the phone call. Yeah, Mr. Bone, you know, there, there's a, a tumour. The tumour's been found, blah, blah, blah. Uh, what happens is now you need to go to the hospital and, and have a meeting. Now, I'm still quite young at this point. I'm like, 
it's going over the, the top of my head, you know. Um, so my dad takes me to the hospital and we get there and I ball in with a, a Lucasaid in one hand, a yogurt in the other. Didn't anticipate to be there for that long. Thought it was just going to be a two, three minute sort of meeting. First thing I go in there, he goes, um, do you have a parent with you? Now I was like, straight away it clicked. Then I was like, well, that doesn't sound too good. Um, and I was actually sending it to you yesterday, bro, because you asked me about it. So my dad comes in and the it's sort of still going over the top of my head. And all I hear the, the doctor say is um, that we found a tumor and we need to remove your right testicle. And I promise you now, I went white as a ghost. I remember asking the lady because the, they had to have someone there. I remember asking her, I said, can you just get me some water? And I swear to God, I don't remember anything else. I don't remember anything else in that meeting. It just it just went in one ear, went out the other, you know? And as it would, um, you're a perfectly healthy 17-year-old boy. Well, that's what I mean. Your, your, your first thing is how do I become a pro footballer? Exactly. What next step do I have? And like, you, and like I said, you... You never think it's going to be you. Of course. Never. You never think you always it's going hear to be the you. stories. Exactly. You, you never, you never. And in fairness now, in my family, there's, well, there was my nan, but there was no one else who, who had cancer. So I was like, what? I've got cancer. Um, well, actually, sorry. I didn't know at the time that I had cancer. We obviously had to remove the yeah. right testicle and then they did the checks. And uh, yeah, it turns out that it was a. Uh, it was it was cancerous, um, but I remember I was walking up Maystone High Street, and I get a call um, on my phone from the doctor, and he says, uh, "Mr. Bone, we we have your we have your results uh, from the analysis," and I said to him, "I said I said, do you mind speaking to my mom?" I said, "I don't want to take this call right now," um, so I went home, and my mum takes the call that evening and. I'm upstairs, you can imagine me, I'm just upstairs, literally sat there twiddling my thumbs going, oh my God, what's going to happen, what's going to be said? And I go down there and she says to me, there's there's good news, but there's bad news. I was like, right, okay then. And she says, the good news is you've caught it, they've caught it really early. However, the bad news is um, you could have to do a short dosage of chemotherapy or radiotherapy. Um and I remember during that time, it was obviously very worrying. I was very confused. So many different emotions. Um, and I can imagine my family would have been feeling the same. But never did I see them worry. Never did I see them upset, um, crying, you know. For, for my parents, it must have been horrible knowing that their child has a tumour. It, um, it must have been horrible. But I think their energy sort of, I, I sort of fed off their energy. Um, so when my mum told me that, I remember going upstairs, put the headphones in. I love music, so I put the headphones in. I'm listening to Chris Brown. Some but, bad tunes he likes to listen to. And uh, I wasn't listening to Spanish reggaeton at that moment as well. <laughs> he tried to introduce us to some, and some of it's I know right. you like my Spanish hey, stuff. There's a few songs that I like, but you yeah. just blast them at your house yeah. as loud as you can. He's like, oh, nice. the bass, the bass. And you'll hear <laughs> the bass, the bass, the bass. Um, I think poor neighbours. I know, yeah. But yeah, I sure, sure enough, I, I listened to Chris Brown, and I remember coming downstairs and saying, let's do it. <laughs> Bro thinks it's a movie, yeah. yeah. I thought it was a movie. Let's do it. I don't know um, if Chris Brown gets you in the mood for that. No, but yeah. honestly, like I'm really music motivates me. Like in fact, you know it. I've always yeah, got yeah. my headphones. Always. always listen to music. It motivates me so much. Um, so yeah, honestly, for for that, I think it was about a week and a half. Then in between that phone call and the meetings that I was scheduled to have, I sort of prepared myself to have 
some sort of, um, you know, whether it was radiotherapy or chemotherapy, I had it in my head, like, I'm doing it. And I remember, because this is one of the most special memories of, of my life, I remember going into the meeting with the surgeon. So I had a meeting with the surgeon on the, let's say, for example, Wednesday, and I had a meeting with the Royal Marsden, which is a cancer-specific hospital, on the Thursday. And like I said, I'd prepared for, for the news, and I go in, and the surgeon says, uh, we were obviously talking, and he says, he says, Mr. Bone, he says, you've, you've caught this so early. From my analysis, you know, you don't need any treatment. And I was like, like, still can't find words to explain it. I was just like, what? And I was just so happy, um, so happy. And he said, look, he says, although I'm the surgeon and stuff and I sort of know my, my stuff, um, the final say will be with the Royal Marsden because they are a cancer-specific hospital. So they might want to put you on radiotherapy just, just to be safe, just yeah. to be safe. Um, but as you can imagine, my Auntie Bella, again, going back, my mum didn't drive at this point, Auntie Bella's taken us. And we, it was just such a special time. We actually uh, had McDonald's breakfast then to celebrate our straight after the meeting. Don't say it, don't say it, don't say it. Don't say it, don't say it. <laughs> um, but that was just, it was, bro, it was just incredible. Like, just so special. To hear him say that was was incredible, you know? And the following day, then we went to the Royal Mars and it was the same. They they turned around and said, yeah, you don't need any any treatment. You yeah. can the uh, just crack on and have your regular checkups. There's there's not many people that can like, or not many people our age and in our situation as football players that can exp have experienced a similar type of relief. You know, it might mm. be, well, you don't think you're going to get a club and, and you get a club or you don't think you're going to beat an injury and you beat an injury. You, you were not yeah. sure if you're going to beat cancer. Yeah. And that must have been just the best day ever. Oh, it was incredible. But I remember as well, my motivation throughout the whole process was, as when you're young, you have aspirations to go and play in the Premier League and be this famous footballer that everyone knows. And I remember saying to myself, I'm going to get to the Premier League and I'm going to be this cancer survivor and I'm going to inspire millions of people and show them that although you've been knocked down in life, you can always come back and rise from it. Obviously, the, the Premier League thing hey, hasn't, but, hasn't but, worked out. But, um, the but that's what's so beautiful about the FA Cup. I've met some incredible people throughout this throughout this whole journey. Um, I've done a number of um, interviews with, you know, the Sunday Times, BBC with Neil. Um, I actually did a, a Spanish interview the other day as well, talking about it. And it's just incredible. And it's so funny how life works now. I'm actually in a position where I've been able to shine some some spotlight on it and, you know, throughout this whole process now, if this can raise awareness for it and inspire young kids, young adults to go and get checked, then that's my job done and that's something that I'll really be prideful for, you know? And I think that's that's so admirable. And I must say that there's actually a few boys in the change room that didn't even know. Yeah, Lamar that, said it to me a, a few no weeks clue. back. Yeah, And um, I think that I'm also really happy that we've like created this podcast in a way mm -hmm. because I feel like even though we're very close... Mm -hmm. We've never really been able to sit down and talk. I've never to, sat down and spoken to you yeah. in depth, in depth about it. like that. And the, it's such a uh, a serious and such a sensitive subject. Mm -hmm. And as you can probably tell, me and Connor, we, we we've never been in that situation, so it's hard for us to comment and to add things to it. Mm -hmm. But that was quite that was actually a little bit emotional, just hearing Boney talk yeah. about that. Yeah. And in depth about 
something that our close friend and someone we consider like a brother has gone through that. Mm -hmm. And even people in the change room weren't, weren't even aware of that. So I'm actually thankful we've created this to even be able to mm -hmm. help others. Exactly. So after this, you know, unbelievable relief, how, how quick was your, was your thinking? Can I get back into football? What's, what's my next club, my next path? Yeah, no. So, uh, so when I was told then no um, treatment was required uh, and I'd effectively beaten cancer, um, I was just partying, using that as an excuse to go out and sort of drink every week. And I remember biceps, we'd, My boy. we'd go to uh, one of the local nightclubs in, in Maystone Gallery. Uh, so for a good solid month, I was just celebrating with them and drinking and stuff and it wasn't until my dad sort of sat me down who obviously we, we've touched on it had a huge influence on my career he sat me down I was like right you've the cancer stuff's done now do you want to become a footballer and I was obviously my first thought was was yeah so I had to you know stop going out as often I had to start training again around this period I think it was six weeks after the operation that's when I could start like ramping up my training so I started training and my dad suggested that I go to Cyprus to sort of get away from the distractions of going out every weekend and stuff. And I went and trained with my, um, well, on my own, but obviously just with my nan and granddad living in their place in Cyprus for about a month, the month of December. We come back just before Christmas. Um, and just before Christmas Day, I had a meeting with my agent, who at the time was Paolo Vanazza. He... Um, he suggested that, you know, he had contacts in Ireland. Pre-season was starting there in, in January. And um, because it was around that time, he said, look, he said, you're not match fit. He said, in order to go into clubs, you have to be reasonably fit to, to stand out. You know, you're going in there. You have to be one of the, you have to be better than what they've got in of order course. to get signed. Um, so anyway, I, I, he's convinced me to go to Ireland and we'd gone there initially for three weeks just to do pre-season training. But I've said it to you off camera before. I absolutely loved my time there. Um, the manager at the time, Stephen Bradley, was kind enough to, to let me train with the team. I played three matches there and effectively it was used to, to get fit and then come back to England to find the club. But I just loved my time in Ireland. And luckily enough then... Um, towards the end of the trial he said that we want to we want to sign you and straight away I, I jumped it it wasn't much money I think it was about 200 euro a week and I was like 100% and that was the my you know the start of my my time in Ireland you know and Shamrock Rovers is a very big club massive you know very well-known club, club so yeah. I mean you potentially would have been happy with that I think you would have been happy with that before even the operation yeah, 100%. I just wanted to get back into football. Yeah. And I remember going there and people used to say it's such a good platform to showcase your talents. You know, if you do well in this league, it was my first professional club in, in terms of playing in front of a crowd and stuff. They were like, if you do well in this league, you can get moves and stuff. So that was a big incentive of mine was to was to go there and, and do well. And, and you're on FIFA? And I, I managed to get on FIFA, FIFA. yeah, which yeah. was, uh, that's ticked off the, the old bucket list now, which is incredible. But I just feel so indebted to Stephen Bradley because he gave me that opportunity to come back into football. Um, I'll, forever, I'll forever be grateful for the opportunity that he gave me. And I had some incredible experiences. Like you said, Chumut Rovers is a huge club, even more so now as we speak, because they've, mm -hmm. done, they've won the last four league titles. 
played in the Europa Conference League group stages. I think it was last season or something. So huge club. Um, Is that where you made your Europa League debut? Yeah. So yeah. we played um, played against. It was it was so cool. We played against Starnan, who are from Iceland. So I got to go and you know spend a few days in Iceland, and then we got to the next round. Played against Mlada Boleslav, who are from Czech Republic. Sounds were, like a made-up name. Yeah. I'm not yeah. Yeah. But the way were, he was trying to speak earlier and try and say some things. They were <laughs> fluent in Czech, not in English. <laughs> yeah. they, honestly, boys, they were incredible. Well, One wrong. of their midfielders <laughs> used to play for Reading in the Premier League. So he was just a joke. But that was such a cool experience. But I didn't start the game. Um, I wasn't really starting my first year at Rovers. And then my second year, I played more, started more. And we we finished third the first season. So we were, again, in the Europa League qualifiers. It wasn't the Conference League at this stage. It didn't exist. But we played against AIK, who were the Swedish champions, and at the time were undefeated. And we we played against them. We got beat in our first game at home, one nil, and then we won. We didn't win, but we, well, yeah, in ninety minutes we won one nil to take it to extra time at their place. Wow! And that was, bro, that was so cool. We played in the the National League Stadium, the National Team Stadium, sorry, uh, and that was just an incredible experience. But Seb Larson signed for them the week before, the week of the second leg. And he wasn't eligible yet to play in the no second way. leg. And I was gutted. I was gu I used to watch him at Sunderland. Sunderland I used to yeah. copy his technique yeah. free kicks. for his free kicks. Unbelievable. Yeah, used to copy his techniques. And I was gutted. And he was doing the radio commentary for the match. Uh, but that was the the last of uh, the last taste I got of Europe then because um finished the season there. My third season, then I found it really difficult to break into the side. We signed uh, Jack Byrne, who played for City, Aaron McInerney, who was well established in the league, and Greg Bolger, who was well established in the league. And that was sort of the midfield three. So I couldn't get into the team. And, and then I had a really bad hamstring injury when I was, when I managed to get into the side. Uh, we played against Bray Wanderers in the cup, and hamstring went as I went to sprint. And I was out for about four months with that. And that was, that was the end then. In the summer, then Stephen Bradley said, um, you know, you can Waterford want to sign you on a, a loan or an eighteen month deal. It's up to you. Uh, it's your decision. And at the time, I was just like, yeah, like I wasn't really enjoying it towards the end of my Shamrock Rovers stint because I wasn't playing and stuff like that, stuff like that, you know. So, um, and is it one of those when it's phrased like that? Oh, it's a loan deal, or you could go for eighteen months. Mm -hmm. Is that? Do you take that as almost a hint of? No, if you don't, mm, yeah, we don't, we don't want you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. See you as, oh, hundred percent. Yeah. yeah, I knew that they didn't want me, but because I wasn't playing, I was desperate to. Yeah. Want, as soon as I found out Waterford were interested, I was like, "Get me there." Because that's all you want to do is. I just wanted to play, especially just wanted your to time play. out of the game, and, yeah. and especially it's, when you've when you've moved abroad, yeah, no longer with your family, yeah. all that sort of stuff. Yeah, those yeah. factors come into it. Yeah, so I was just like, "Get me to Waterford," um, but I just loved my time at. Right, like the boys and I, I loved them. All right, yeah, my last year didn't go to plan as what I wanted it to, and I ended up not enjoying it as much. But the two years before that were just incredible, you know. Met some incredible people and stuff like that. And I remember going to Watford. I was a bit sort of indecisive. I was like, although I want to do this, I'm leaving a club that I'm really comfortable at. And I remember the first day I got home, I started crying. I was like, oh, I don't know, I don't know if this is the right decision. Um, but it's like again, it's funny how football works because. I absolutely loved my time at Waterford. Well, I, I ended up signing the, the loan deal because I didn't know what would happen. Uh, so I signed the loan deal. And then um, come the end of the season, yeah, they offered me a deal for the following season. And I think it must be said how much you must love Waterford because our yeah. good friend, Christy Patterson, 
yeah. has now gone out there. Yeah. And I remember Agent Sam. I remember you being Agent having Sam. a conversation with him and he was asking, Oh, like, yeah. is it right to go out there? And you were all for it, you were saying. Hundred percent. Absolutely love it. Still full time football. Yeah. Obviously they've done really well now and they've got promoted to the yeah. to the Prem or to the, the top division. Water, like Waterford is such a it's a great club, boys. Like a serious club and I just fell in love with the place. Fell in love with the place. Uh, that season then where I signed on a on a contract, um, the manager, Alan Reynolds, built an incredible side. You know, the boys were fantastic. Uh, that's where I, Mikey O'Connor. We've heard a lot you, about Mikey. Mikey, got to get yeah. him on the pod. We've heard Shout a lot about Mikey. you, Mikey. Yeah. Um, got to get him on the pod. Great guy. But he was there as well. So I just, I was just fell in love with the place. And come the end, COVID and all happened, but we'll skip that part. Um, come the end of the season, um, now at the time Waterford had a reputation for every season they would literally offload their whole squad. So I think bef the year before that they had actually finished fourth or something, got Europe because they wasn't in the league for more than two years. Europe was taken off them. Anyway, that's another story to get into. But that side that did really well for them that season all left. So I sort of knew towards the end of my time at Waterford that season, I thought, like, all of the team could be gone here. And I was, I was panicking. I was thinking, no, because I don't want to leave and stuff. And um, in fairness, you know, because we did well that season, we were uh, tipped to go down. And we actually, the last day of the season, we lost to Finn Harps. And if we'd won that, we would have got European spots. European. Got um, in. Yeah, so that was horrible at the time. Um, but because we'd done well, the club turned around to a few of us and said, yeah, we want to offer you deals, but they offered us the same money. Now I was like, well, no, because we've done well. We want to... You've exceeded expectations. Yeah, exactly. We want a little pay rise or something. Mm -hmm. And um, at the time, Pats are on to me, Stephen O'Donnell. Um, he was calling my phone. I was injured at the time. I'd done my... That's when I did my hamstring tear. Um, I had it, obviously took it off the bone. I had to have surgery and stuff. And I remember taking the call from him while I was in hospital about what my situation was for, for next season. So he was like hounding my phone and I was getting stressed out about Waterford. And in the end then, Waterford were just like, yeah, like we're not we're not going to try and keep the boys anymore. We've offered you the deal. If you don't want to accept it, you're free to go. Um, so so Stephen O'Donnell gave you a call while you were still recovering from your hamstring injury. I had to call him and say, oh, Stevie, can I call you back? I'm just in hospital. Just had, And I, at the time I was thinking, should I be telling him this? Because... Uh, if he finds out that I'm actually in hospital, you might not want to sign me again. Yeah, well, um, I think they would have found out when you crutched into your medical. Well, yeah, there we go, literally. And if you crutch um, as slow as this lad, it would have been a long, long time. Honestly. A long, long time. Mm -hmm. He's been told he can partial weight bear. Then we're going back to him. Partial weight bear. I do oh, partially. You want to see him? Oh, in fact, no, we've got, got, got the video. We'll put the video. Oh, okay. When Casey when, uh, Palmer, Casey Palmer to you, speaks, yeah. And he's going so slow. And Casey's even looking at him like, that's not partial weight bear. <laughs> anyway, yeah, so obviously Stevie's, Stevie's in contact with me. And obviously, with them, when when Waterford said that I was I was able to, well, I was I was gone. Um, my only real option was was Pats. And coming back to the story, the start of the episode when they were shouting abuse at me and stuff, I was like, well, they don't really like me here, but Stevie seems to like me, so um, perhaps I'll I'll do it. And yeah, sure enough, then we we got the contract sorted, and I remember signing for Pats, and in the back of my mind, I was like. Gutted this Waterford thing hasn't hasn't worked out. I was gutted to leave Waterford and the fan the Waterford fans know that I'm not trying to justify why I left and stuff. It's he wants just a new my, deal. He wants a new deal. It's my, sto it's my story. <laughs> Ella Kobe's um, a human. No, it's, it's just 
it's just my story and that's the way it panned out. But um, again, going back to how football works, obviously left Waterford, thought my world had tipped upside down again. And I, and I had one of the best years of my career um, at Pats. You know, we we won the FAI Cup final, finished second in the league, had a good a good running in the in the league. You know, we were, I think we took Shamrock Rovers all the way by the last six or seven games or something. Um, and yeah, it was one of the best best years of my career. Now this week I did actually read somewhere that you said that getting to the fifth round of the FA Cup. Oh was yeah, it tops here. Yeah, it's top. of course it tops. But here. I also heard that. You did have a little tactical cramp in the FA Cup final Ooh. Ooh. because you didn't want to take a penalty. Is th- <laughs> now this is just a little rumor. Wow. No, and I remember the the week before that that final. Uh, I think there was like between the last game of the season and the final. I think we had like, sorry, it was a week, but before that we had the last game of the season and we'd secured second. So after trainings, um, Stevie was was doing pos- position specific running with us. So I was playing. I knew I was playing right back. So he'd have me running up and down the the line. Midfielders would be doing short, sharp stuff, like getting to the ball, dropping back off. And I was going into the game, going, "This is gonna work." I've done all my extra running. Like he was getting us running before, saying that the Aviva's huge. We need to be fit. About sixty minutes in, because of the occasion, his first ever mm-hmm. time playing in front of you know thirty eight thousand fans. I think it was more caffeine than normal. More caffeine than normal. Uh, that probably didn't help me. <laughs> But yeah, about 60 minutes in, I'm going, oh my God, I've got cramp here in my calves. I've got cramp in my calves. And then it got to about the, the 93rd minute or something. And I just couldn't go anymore. And I was dragged off. Well, not dragged off. I was subbed off. And it went to penalties. I remember thinking, thank God I'm not taking a penalty here. <laughs> and that must have, I mean, I think it's something you've told us about. Your family didn't get all over to Ireland often. No, that was the first time. Yeah, they were able to come for the final. That was the, yeah, that was the first time I had my... But all my family, um, I can't remember if my brother was there, but my dad was there, mum, auntie. Um, at the time, the ex-missus and all her friends were there as well. So that, I just remember that being really, really special. And like I said, that was my first silverware I'd won in football. First time I played in a, in front of a crowd that big, in front of us, in a stadium that big. So it was, uh, it was so special. And so come the off-season, what happens then? got released <laughs> I did so uh, what had happened was that cramp they said oh, he's yeah, not fit no, enough what had happened was Stevie so before the final there was rumours about Stevie going to Dundalk and we had no, we had no clue about it you know um, but a few days after the final it, it came out in the press that he was going to Dundalk he had his playing career there he's he's a legend at Dundalk um, one of like the, the big names if you talk about Dundalk Stevie O'Donnell comes up in the conversation club legend um, but he'd gone to Dundalk and Pat's actually offered me. Um, so the guy who was there, like sort of taking charge while they were trying to find a manager, offered me a new deal. And because it was the same money, I turned around and I was like, well, no, I want, I want to try and negotiate. As you do, I want to try and negotiate a little bit more. You know, you try and be cheeky with it, obviously. And uh, they signed then a manager, I think a day later. And that was it then. Didn't hear anything. Didn't hear anything. Waiting dead. It's, fun. no, it's funny. It's funny because uh, in the group chat, boys were typing in saying like, have you heard from the new manager? I won't name names. Have you heard from the new manager? Everyone's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember calling up a few of my pals that I lived with and I was like, boys, have you heard from him? He's like, yeah, yeah, no, he called me two days ago. Like, Told me my how phone exactly his I'm just checking my phone and saying, have I got a missed call? <laughs> no, I didn't hear anything. But luckily, um, Stevie rated me as a player and, 
he um he offered me a deal he offered me a deal at Dundalk and um yeah so my, my time at Dundalk was was really enjoyable um did really well in the league I think before that season before there was a the Dundalk were Dundalk are one of the biggest teams in Ireland and I remember them playing Arsenal actually yeah exactly so they they've always been I think there was a period when I first went there they were always winning the league and stuff you know um, and they they sort of dropped off that I think they finished maybe fifth or sixth in the uh, in the season before I signed uh, and we went there I think we finished joint second with Derry Shamrock Rovers obviously won the league again but really enjoyable um, but then at the end of the season um, Stevie Stevie sort of pulled me into the office I remember we went we went on a off season trip to Berlin I've told you boys off camera great trip with the boys um, but after that I, I'd come back and I I was sort of preparing like oh, what's, I wonder what they're going to offer me in terms of my, my next money and stuff I'd become really comfortable in Ireland um, and I didn't want to I didn't want to leave I, I sort of saw my future well definitely for the next season playing with Dundalk and Stevie we had the meeting he had like indiv individual meetings with all the players and he was just honest with me and he just said, look, I'm, I'm going to struggle to, I think a few, maybe a few months before that, um, I was going around saying that I wanted to play midfield and he uh, he said to me, look, I can't promise you game time there and I think it's best if you if you go off and, and maybe, you know, try and get a club where you're going to play consistently and I remember at the time, that was, that was really tough to take. That was quite stressful because um, I was with my ex-partner and I didn't want to sort of, bounce from club to club in Ireland. Um, so that was quite stressful in terms of what I was going to do next. And I had a bit of time to, I went on holidays. I had a bit of time to sort of think about what I wanted to do. And I spoke with my agent and I said, well, maybe let's try and look at England. You know, it, it was always something that I wanted to do, although I was comfortable in Ireland. It would have been a regret of mine if I, if I didn't come back to England and try the leagues. So I always had it in the back of my mind. I do want to, one day playing playing England, and um, I remember I was on holiday, and I was in fact I come back from holiday. And I was just chilling in my ex partner's house, and I get a call from my agent. And he says, "Oldham want to look at you." So straight away I was like, "Oh, you know, Oldham a huge club," Massive. and I was like, "Shout out, Mickey P." I was like, "Yeah, definitely." I was like, "This is perfect." And he said, "They want you to to play in a, a trial game." I can't remember. I think it was against Salford actually. And uh, I was like, well, look, I've just been to, I've just been to Berlin, just been to Cyprus, just been to Paris, Amsterdam. I was like, I can't just rock up into Oldham and play in midfield and try and try and do well. So I was like, look, if you can try and get me uh, in there maybe a week before, so I can train, try and get Matt Sharp and stuff, um, that would be helpful. And he, in fairness to him, he sorted it. So I got there on the Thursday. Timmy Abraham was there and I knew Timmy from when I was at Charlton. He was he was brilliant, made me feel welcome and stuff. And I get there and because it had been snowing the week before, where they normally trained, it was you couldn't train there because the pitch had frozen off and stuff. So the first they had a game on the Tuesday, so as you do on the Thursday, the boys that don't play, they do a session while the boy the starters do recovery. And um I get in I get in there, do a little session, perfect, feeling quite sharp, you know. The next day, then we have to train at a, an Astro, but because Oldham was struggling at the time, that whole session was just geared towards shape. They were playing talkie on the Sunday, so the manager was just doing shape. So I was out of it. I was just the feeder. I was just passing balls into the midfielders so they can go and play. <laughs> Literally, it <laughs> felt like the biggest waste of space ever. 
but um that that was that i did that session and then the next day um it was it was saturday and we'd managed to rent out like this it was no bigger it was a little bit bigger sorry than a five side pitch you know like goals mm -hmm. yeah yeah so um all it was they did a bit of shape and me and two other young academy lads had to sit on the side so the sports scientist was like well we'll do some running and at the time i was like well this is actually really good for me i, I need this i need this for the game on, on tuesday so i was actually quite happy to be doing running and i was doing it the session finished and the next day they had torquay and they won three two so the manager's given them a couple of days off and the head of recruitment then said to me, said, uh, look, Sam, because of the weather, it looks more than likely the uh, the game is going to be cancelled. So I was like, right, okay. So he says, go back to Maidstone, go back to your family. Next week, we'll try and get you back up again once the, the snow has melted and stuff like that. And on the way back, um, I was on the train. And what had happened was, you know how the tannoy comes on? Is that we will shortly be arriving at Maidstone East. So they, you're reading out all the stations that we'll stop at and it just clicks. I was like, hang on a minute. Maystone are in the same league as Oldham. They're actually higher at the moment than Oldham. Like, let me see if I can get them in Maystone. It'd be great, you know, my, my family go to the games and stuff. You know, imagine me playing for Maystone. It'd be incredible. So I text him and I've got the text on my phone because I, I see them. At I go, pause. I don't know how you didn't realise that. Until the train. Bro, I swear on my life. <laughs> like, you and I'm, you and I'm not here. Even, I'm not even trying. I swear on my life. I'm not even trying <laughs> to exaggerate. Done, man. The, because, because the summer before that, I wasn't playing at Dundalk during the summertime when you boys started pre-season. And I was oh, actually, yeah. I was saying to my agent then about trying to perhaps go to Maidstone. Would, there, could it work there? Dundalk just let me go and I go and play for Maidstone. But, um, and I've actually showed you the text it didn't pan out the way I wanted it to. It, you know, people got in contact with the manager and the manager just said, no, like we don't, we don't want to look at him and stuff like that. Um, so I sort of thought that was done. So that's probably why subconsciously, that's oh, probably okay. why I didn't, you know, straight away say it to my agent. Well, what about Maystone? So um, anyway, he works his magic, gets on the phone to, to Hakan and sure enough, Hakan said, yeah, you can, you can go, you can come in and train with us. So, I was like, as you can imagine, my hometown club, I was so happy. I remember texting into the group chat, so buzzing. I was telling them, look, I'm going to I'm gonna be going on trial at Maidstone. And you boys had actually got beaten. So that was on the Monday I travelled back. You boys played Dorking on the Tuesday evening and got I remember beat. That. Yeah, Bobby, Bobby Joe. Conceded two headers after the 90th minute. Yeah. We were 2-1 oh up, lost 3-2. Yeah. Yeah, so oh my um, God. Bobby Joe Taylor, Bruce, yeah, who I used to play in, for Maidstone. Yeah, I come in on Thursday, and there's a, you know, there's a, as you do, you have your meetings after, you know, you reflect on the game and stuff, and it's fair to say it wasn't the sort of the best of atmospheres. I remember rocking up, going, "What have I come into here?" Yeah, you a few know? choice words. Um, but at the time, I think there was someone was going on in the background, whether there was a takeover and stuff, so there wasn't money to to put me on a deal and stuff you know so um anyway I did I grinded it out like it's and I at the time I was turning down offers from Ireland good offers as well uh because I just wanted this Maystone thing to work and in fairness to Hakan he was saying look I actually I want to get you in but there's no money at the moment and I was I told him what I was offered in Ireland and he was like we're not going to be able to match that 
But I suppose I was just going, I just want something to work. So I wasn't leaving. You remember, I just kept turning yeah, up, yeah. turning up. The boys were probably saying to themselves, what's he still doing here, you know? <laughs> I often say it to Zach, actually. What like what was I still doing coming and training with Maystone? Um, but obviously during that time then, um, it was against York, wasn't it, where Hakan then, he, he left the club mm -hmm. and stuff. And I remember that was like the final straw. I was like... And it's funny, I was like, I'm I'm not going back. And Tana, is it Tana, Tana? Uh, Tana, Tana. Tana. So uh, I've become friends with one of the the trialists as well, the American guy. And I remember him the texting The other American me, guy. The Amer <laughs> yeah, two Brits, yeah. two, two Yanks. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> but I remember him texting me saying, yo, bro, have you have you seen the Hackens left? And I was just like, I can't do this anymore, man. Like, I'm just wasting time here. And um, so that was... I think it was Tuesday morning then I was told that there's training was on and I remember saying to me I'm not going in I'm not I'm not going in so I didn't set an alarm and Oscar God bless Oscar because his little cousin my little cousin Oscar not so little yeah he, in fairness and I've said it to fans and stuff but obviously when I moved back to Maystone during my time in Ireland my, my parents had split so my mum's now Westmoreland dad's in Ashford and uh, I had to move into my auntie. So Oscar was sharing a room with my auntie to allow space for me to stay in the house because it was ideal because she lives in Sutton Road, literally a 20 minute walk to the stadium. Um, so I was like, I'm not going in. Oscar comes in, forgets his blazer for school. So at this point I'm awake. I was like, well, I might as well go in now, just see what's being said. Um, Cause he's woken me up. I'm, I might as well just go in, you know, who knows what can happen. Anyway, go in, Gaffer's first session, caught his eye, and then I remember him pulling me Ryan off. Ryan Gordon session. Ryan Gordon session, yeah. And yeah. uh, I remember the Gaffer pulling me off the training and he said, he said, I like what I've seen. I like what I've seen. Um, what I'm going to do is now I'm going to look at your clips and then we'll, uh, we'll, decide, we'll decide as a management team what we, <laughs> what we want to do. His so, little media trained up. <laughs> at, at this stage, I was like, well, that's brilliant. I've caught George Ellicobe's eye. Like, he's obviously looked at my clips and Bill Williams was on the phone there and we managed to negotiate a one-month deal at the time, uh, which was fantastic. I was like, absolutely, I'll take it. And um, because I did well then, in that month, they uh, offered me uh, an extension and, and that was that. And I've got to say, George Ellicobe's first ever signing yeah. in football management yeah. was Samuel George Bone. Yeah, who knows... Who knows uh, who's going to join that group, you know? Very there could be some future elite players in that uh, in that group. Like Connor Kelly. <laughs> Connor well, Kelly I, I, was, I wasn't thinking me, but yeah, maybe there could be... Uh... I think sometimes Gaffer thinks, unfortunately, he was stuck with me because I was on a two-year deal. <laughs> and he, he had to sign me the second year. So uh, <laughs> cheers, Gaffer. Nice. No, um, it was special, man, obviously, when I, when I signed that month's deal. And although, you know, last season didn't go to, to plan and stuff... Um, it was quite tough, you know. We were getting beat most weekends and stuff like that. It was uh, it was difficult, but I suppose playing for your your hometown club is is special, you know. And like I said, I, I hope you guys have enjoyed the 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 episode. Um, like it was nice for me to obviously share my story in terms of everything that I've gone through, and yeah, I suppose that's the uh, that's the end of it. If you've enjoyed it, please what is it again? Like, subscribe, <laughs> share it with your friends. Um, it really helps the channel out. We've also got um, a vlog coming as well. I was uh, doing my vlogging skills for the for the past couple of days, so we've got a nice little vlog 
from the behind the scenes stuff of the the commentary match, which is hopefully it comes out alright. If it doesn't, blame the uh, we'll blame the editor, uh, the Irishman um, Sheldon. Yeah. There we go, exactly. But now, if you've enjoyed it, please leave a like, subscribe, share it. It obviously helps out the channel hugely, and it, you know it helps us to continue growing. So. Yeah.